0: He's already made it in a way with the, some of the stuff he's putting in, and now it's just a case of when does he make that jump up to Mercedes? <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome back to the Silver Arrows podcast where we unravel the riveting twists and turns of the Mercedes-AMG Formula 1 team. I'm your host Ben Tinsley and we have a cracker of a show for you this week in the form of an exclusive interview with F1 TV's lead commentator on Formula 3, Chris McCarthy. Chris has been in the paddock, both single-seaters and karting for a number of years now, and together we're just putting the spotlight on 17-year-old Italian sensation Kimi Antonelli, the young driver rumoured to be Mercedes' top pick to succeed Lewis Hamilton. And Chris provides a fantastic, unbiased insight into Antonelli's career to date and, of course, his latent potential. And if you're anything like me, I think you're going to come away from this chat... Perhaps wanting to invest a bit of time into watching the F2 races this season. So we'll be diving into that very shortly. In the meantime, though, we just need to briefly cover F1 testing in Bahrain from last week. It's very hard to work out what's going on, and really, there's a bit of guesswork involved, so that's why we're not dedicating the whole show to reviewing the ins and outs of it. But Whilst we do have to be careful, it it really does look encouraging for Mercedes. There was a really telling interview with James Allison on Sky after day three in which Allison's body language was certainly immensely positive, even if his words were somewhat calmer. Now, we'll know a lot more after FP1, but let's keep everything crossed. I think the one thing we can say for certain is that testing this year has gone better than the previous two years. And therefore, it's been the best testing that Mercedes have had in this regulation set. So we're not doing a show on that it's it's deliberate maybe even by the time some of you listen to this podcast we'll know a little bit more about exactly where mercedes are and whether we're going to have an interesting season or not And finally, just before we kick off with Chris, I just want to say thanks for the fantastic feedback on last week's episode with Bryson and Matt. There were some really nice comments. I think some people really enjoyed the tech aspect of it, and it just made bringing the podcast back for this second season um, a real dream. So very, very excited about what this year holds. And remember, if you are enjoying this podcast, there's two things you can do that really support us. We are fully independent. We're not backed by any big company. This is really a labor of love. So you can subscribe on your podcast app of choice, which just means you're notified whenever we release a new episode. And you can also rate the podcast, which puts us in a chart and helps new people find us. That's it from me. Let's get started with Chris after the short break.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: Chris, welcome to the Silver Iris podcast. It's really good to have you on.
0: Thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much for having me, Ben. Uh, no, it's a pleasure to be on, obviously, season. Uh, as we record this, just around the corner, isn't it? Testing, just finishing, um, which, uh, uh, you know, we've had our eyes on today. Um, and yeah, uh, that's uh, made me even more excited, not just for F1, but for... Ref2 and F3. But uh, yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be on to talk things through before, before the season starts.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Well, the, the focus of our discussion today is obviously going to be Kimi Antonelli. Now, you have been yeah. around casting in the feeder series basically, I think I could say probably all your life in one form or, or another. I just wanted to
0: ask you, when did you first hear of Kimi Antonelli? A few years ago now. Um, Kimi Antonelli has been uh, at the top of what he's raced in for a number of years. He was. Uh, Raced in the uh, karting scene uh, at a very high level from I'd say around 2017 2018, uh, he entered the uh, European karting paddocks, uh, the international karting paddocks, I guess we call that. Uh, that's racing in the FIA championships. You know there there is a an official FIA karting European and World Championship, and that's where we have the factory teams uh, race. Uh, and in that, you have a, a team. Uh, Charles Leclerc has his his own chassis and own uh, team. In that, Lando Norris's chassis uh, have their own factory team. In that, Nico Rosberg once had his own team. In that, and that's where Andrea Kimi Antonelli, uh, Kimi Antonelli, actually once raced for, and that's where he first started grabbing everyone's attention. I I commentated in in that paddock in 2018. And he was coming through as a, as a cadet driver at that time. And then, um, yeah, he, when I left a year later, he, he started winning pretty much everything, I'd say, in 2019 and 2020 was his real dominant years. But I was still keeping a very close eye on it mm. at, at that time, uh, doing uh, some reporting work. And he was stealing all the headlines, shall we say, racing under Nico Rosberg. I remember, sorry to go on a bit, but I remember when I first entered my, the European karting paddock, the first story I ever covered uh, before I uh, commentated was Nico Rosberg's team. Uh, he just entered uh, 2018, April, and the first driver he signed was a young driver called Taylor Barnard, who's going to be racing in Formula 2 this year. And then the next year uh, joining him was a driver called Kimi Antonelli, uh, now a Mercedes, who at the time was a Mercedes junior, and he was going to be racing for, for Nico Rosberg. And, and yeah, we could see why Nico signed him, because he started winning everything. Sure. He had the backing of Mercedes as well. Sure. And
1: is there significance that Nico sort of, or Nico's team chose to have him as a driver? Does that mean they obviously backed him from a from an early
0: age? Yeah. Well, if you if you think about it, there's uh, he's racing in the F.I. Karting Championships where you have two classes. You have the OK and the OK Junior. The OK is for your 14 and above, and then uh, OK Junior, your junior classes, 12 to 14 year olds. And in each of those categories, you have around a you can have up to 140 drivers racing at wow. the, the weekend. And Nico Rosberg, when he first started the team, he chose one senior driver and one junior driver in 2018. And his junior driver was Taylor Barnard. His, his senior driver was a, a driver called Lorenzo travis who now coaches a lot of uh, F4 drivers. Um, the next year, he kept to a similar, a similar number of drivers, so when he was picking his drivers, he was picking from a massive amount of drivers, uh, and and he picked uh, Kimi Antonelli as, as one of his drivers to represent uh, him, you know, as a as a brand, as the Rosberg Karting Academy it was called. Nico would be at the track, uh, helping them, uh, supporting them. They raced under a, a team called Kart Republic, who were who were the top teams. That the the the, the uh, Dino Chiesa, who runs Kart Republic, once coach two drivers called Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton wow. uh, when he was uh, uh you know when he was a team but bo- as he was a team boss years ago when uh, i don't know if you've ever seen the famous pictures of those two together as karting drivers yeah. one of them them two on the truck when they crashed into each other i think together once at a, a european championship race but um but yeah he he once uh, once coached nico and now nico was uh, under uh, now Nico had put this new kart academy into Dino Chiesa's team, and uh, and Kimi Antonelli uh, was racing with him.
1: That's so cool. That's so cool. So presumably by this point yeah. he was already on Mercedes's sort of radar. Do you know much yes. about how his sort of karting career went before then? Was he like obviously gold dust from a very very young age?
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I believe he was winning stuff in in it in Italy from around 2015. I believe Mercedes signed him in 2017, mm-hmm. and it's because he he really did fly on the market very quickly, and his name was being talked about, um, talked about uh, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, as this, you know, this kid is very very talented. There was a lot of excitement around him, I guess, because because of his because uh, where he was from as well. There hadn't been a top Italian. Uh, driver uh, at the uh, in Formula One for a little while that, that had been successful, yeah. um, um, and everyone thought you know th- this kid could be the the next guy to do it, and it and it was because he was winning, he was winning everything, you know, he he was winning you know European and World Championships. There is a an a big group of championships called that run under WSK promotion. They're an organization uh, who run the Italian F4 Championship now as well. And um, uh, he was winning, you know, like WSK Euro series, which they run WSK supermaster series, final cups, things like that. He was winning all these championships as well. So he was, uh, yeah, completely dominating. He was always at the front and, uh, it was that form, really, that Mercedes uh, got hold of very, very quickly uh, to make sure that they had him before other people spotted it.
1: There's a there's a real irony here that we're obviously talking about Kimi as a potential replacement for Lewis, who's gone off to Italy when <laughs> Kimi is Italian yeah. himself. It almost feels like it would work better the other way around, but I'm certainly not going to moan. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, is it rare to to sort of dominate those karting classes or is it is it quite common that actually you get a generational talent who, who comes through and just wins most things that they get involved with?
0: That's a good question. Um, I'd say because there's so many drivers on these grids, it is it can be rare to see someone come in and, and win pretty much everything. But I'd say every now and then you do get drivers that uh, just hit a, a real good relationship with their team. Um, you know, these Uh, drivers as i said are uh, a lot of them are factory drivers where they're racing uh, with a factory team you know these factory teams have their own chassis similar to um i guess you could you could compare it to formula ones you know sauber build their own car and and run their own car Uh, they're all on the same uh, and you also have different engine builders as well so uh, it's you know a driver will find a chassis that they're happy with the, the team running that an engine builder that they're happy with. If that all molds together really well, then a driver can come out of it and, and do really successfully in karting, It, it is so close. So as well, you know, there's two tenths between yeah, 60 drivers. Sometimes is, is, that, is what, that, you know, the kind of levels we're talking about when you get to the European championships and um, yeah, they're fine margins, but some drivers can be come out of it very well. And I think that was the impressive thing with Kimmy. It was, the level of consistency showed to be always at the front every time in the European Championships. Um, yeah, we've seen a few drivers show form like that. I think Taylor Barnard, who I mentioned, was was another one of those who was always at the front. And there's more currently on their way through um, who, who have shown form like that as well, who are very exciting ones to watch out for for the future. But he was certainly one of those. And uh, yeah, that's what got a lot of people excited.
1: So before he made the jump into single seater racing obviously he's a he's a double european karting champion now for people who perhaps don't understand what's the main differences between going from karting into single seater racing how big a difference is it and how did kimmy sort of cope with that compared to other people
0: yeah um i mean obviously first of all, it was a massive achievement to win the fia karting european championships yeah. uh, they tend to run four rounds um you, and they only score points in the final two races. You, you, you get your points in your finals and your pre-finals as well. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the meetings are very long. They'll start on a Thursday, run through to Sunday, but it can all fall away like that on the first lap of a final. Um, but only four rounds and one of those rounds, they tend to drop as well. So you, you're working off three races, essentially. So they all have to be, if you're not winning at least one race you're you're out of the championship that's how the, the drivers sort of view it um so yeah Kimi antonelli had to win two of those and beat over 100 drivers to the title each time very very impressive um and that's huge huge consistency um yeah, which he he beat a lot of the guys he's racing in in uh f- that are racing formula three this year some that are even racing formula two uh, and that's where a lot of drivers do prepare for uh formula four uh really they uh just you know they, it's that level of competitiveness that, that that gets them ready for it um you know the the, the close racing on track the qualifying in fia karting paddock is so close i mean they go out for two laps and that's all they do wow you don't yeah because uh you know I, i've commentated on sessions which are 10 minutes um and for eight minutes nothing happens um so there, it's that bad that i think they even shorten the sessions down to five minutes because it's like we know what's going to happen mm. no one's going to do anything with two minutes to go you go out and you get literally two laps because because how soft the tires are so and it's you know tire management comes into play during races uh, it's strategy you know you yeah the carts haven't got he I don't think he raced KZ which are the geared cars but it's uh you know uh, physically they're very demanding cars to drive as well there's a that's why you'll see people like Lando Norris Charles Leclerc in the winter they go out and drive their own carts around these circuits because uh, it puts a real strain through your body and that's I guess what helps you get ready to, to make the jump up even though that's a completely different physical exercise
1: and and in your experience is there anyone who's made that jump from karting to single seater any better than Kimi has
0: no no I don't I don't think I've ever seen anyone make the jump up as good as he has um people have done very well like Oli Behrman did really well uh he's one of the only drivers I think that didn't go through he didn't come through the FIA karting paddock which makes this season very exciting because him and Kimi have never raced each other before properly and so that's going to make this season very exciting I mean that's a different conversation of course um, but no I don't think I've ever seen anyone come out of karting and win two championships maybe maybe Oli Behrman he did the same uh, he was the first Oli Behrman was the first driver to win two F4 championships he won the Italian and German F4 championships and um, and then Andrea Kimi Antonelli went and did the same thing. But he's kind of continued that unbeaten form since and remains an, an unbeaten driver. So yeah, I guess I could say Oli Beerman, I could I could say he he, he did a, a similar jump, but um Kimmy's kind of carried that, that momentum forward just just a tiny bit better if we were really putting them head to head. But I guess this year's we find we finally put them properly uh together as a head-to-head as teammates yeah and
1: that's going to be really interesting and obviously we'll we'll touch on that shortly so let's just go back to when mercedes uh decided to to kind of take him on what do you think they were thinking then do you think back then they even knew this guy's got real potential J- just remind me when was it again mm. that they they sort of signed him i
0: i heard it was 2017 but it might have been slightly. so what was later that between that? in terms of where was he competing at that point uh he so he would have been uh racing but well, that was when he was racing in WSK so and so, uh, that was a, he was racing as a mini driver Wow. so I, I don't know it might have been slightly later than that yeah. um
1: that's okay we can uh, edit bits out yeah. if there's anything. yeah yeah
0: yeah he, he he might have been slightly later than that um it was 2019 actually uh, he so he was announced as part of the team so by then he was racing uh in he he is when he joined the Rosberg racing Academy, the Rosberg karting Academy. Um, so that was a, you know, basically it was him joining Nico's team. And that was when he, he, he joined Mercedes, which was a nice, I guess, but for Nico, quite a nice story really. Cause Nico once had the backing of Mercedes as a young karting driver himself. And now he was giving Mercedes the next young talent uh, himself. So it was quite a, quite a nice story really how that panned out especially how how successful he's gone on to been uh, how he's gone on to do in the feeder series since then so yeah, uh, yeah it wouldn't be long after that he only did two seasons or two or three seasons and then he was off on his way
1: and is is that for the first thing of single seater
0: yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah.
1: So sorry, that, you just jump in uh, off the record sort of thing. Um. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't know that. Okay. So he basically, yeah. so Kimmy came in. He did a really good job in F4, and then last year, I believe, he sort of got involved in a bit of F3, which is like kind of Formula Formula Regional. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So he did. Uh, he won the Italian and ADAC F4 Championships. Uh, sadly, ADAC F4 German F4 doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> And he also won the FIA Motorsport Games as well, the, the, which they did like an F4 Cup. Uh, and he won that by, I think, about 30 seconds. Um, and he was injured as well that weekend. Um, but he absolutely blitzed it despite carrying this injury he had, um, which was uh, astounding, really. Um, then he moved into the Formula Regional classes. Now, that uh, a lot of people would, I guess, know that as Formula Renault. Yeah. Uh, if you remember Formula Renault. It's basically a more modern version of Formula Renault. The cars are fairly similar to what they used to be then. Uh, it runs under a different name now called Formula Regional European Championship uh, by Alpine. It's the European version, uh, but it runs all around the world. So he, he started by doing the Middle East Championship and he won that. And then he came over and did the European Championship of it and he, and he won that as well. So that makes him five championships in a row. Um, and uh, he—that's the only five single-seater championships he's competed in. So far.
1: that's insane. I mean, you talk about him yeah. being being around in 2015, and you think, oh, that wasn't really that long ago. But obviously, that was yeah. sort of nine years ago. You forget that he's—he's yeah. he's not even 18. This guy's not even yeah. 18 till August. So it is—it yeah. is mad. Obviously, you yeah. commentated on him quite a lot last year. And yeah. what was what were the sort of standout things for you in terms of his driving style and and how he portrays himself on track?
0: Uh, For first of all qualifying um, we have 20 qualifying sessions throughout the season Uh, one of those he couldn't take part in um, but he qualified in the top 10 in the 19 others and we had uh, 36 drivers in in the championship Um, so for him to be in the top 10 in every single session um, yeah, shows why he was a champion I think Um, uh, he got huge amounts of Wins and and podiums. Uh, there was two moments that stood out for me. Really, one was his championship winning drive, which he picked up a around before the season. He wrapped it up in Zandvoort in fairly tricky conditions. He won by twelve and a half seconds, despite a safety car. Um, he he drove off by about ten seconds. A safety car came out, and then he drove off by twelve and a half seconds. Uh, and he and I, I spoke to him after after the race, and he said, oh, I just wanted to win the championship. Right. <laughs> and he, he, I think he had to win the race to win the championship. And yeah, he, he, there was nothing. Even though he was way ahead, he was still setting fastest laps at the end of the race. And then the final race of the season, he was sitting in seventh place going on to the last lap. And his team, Prima Racing, were in a head-to-head battle for the team's championship with another team. And they were tied on points. And um, they they came over the radio to Kimi and said, you know, if you if you get P6, we win the championship. And it, we were at Hockenheim, if you remember Hockenheim. But coming around that big curve towards the hairpin, he just made this big lunge on the kid in sixth place <laughs> and got the place. And that won them the team's championship. Like, he, he literally sold him the dummy, like moves to the outside and then dive to the inside and he said they came over the radio to him and just said we need you to get p6 Kimmy. and he was like sweet okay and <laughs> just went and did it so uh, that's so cool yeah so yeah that was uh, that was probably the two standout two standout moment
1: hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news So would you say he's quite an aggressive driver? Like what, what sets him apart from people? Is it like he can is he a tie whisperer or is he just one of these like kind of Max Verstappen types that he's just more aggressive than other people? Not to I think, <laughs> not to say that's yeah, all I Max think, is, but you know
0: what I mean. Um yeah, I think he, he that that was a perfect example of he of uh he he had no fear in that in that moment. And that was um, you know, there was a championship on the line and rather than just kind of sitting there. He just took a risk and and the and the risk paid off but it was a very calculated move at the same time sure um and also when there was a championship on the line or, you know the 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 round before he won by twelve and a half seconds, which he'd never really done before so um you yeah, know the, the rest of the season he had taken wins, but that never quite by that manner, so I guess it kind of shows that when he's required to to really go and fight for something, he, he's able to, to step it up at yeah, an extra down, level that, down and get that, one that. that uh, no one was able to quite match. So, um, yeah, for, for me, that, that 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 was two things. And, and also just the level of consistency. He was always, always there, always in the top 10 in qualifying, which was is a big part of Formula Regional and it's going to be a big part of F2 as well. You have to be always in that top 10 for the reverse grids because um, you only get one one qualifying each weekend. So um, yeah, for me, it's the, that con- consistency that's going to, that really sets him apart. And I, I just think under pressure, uh, he's very, very good. When you, when you speak to him out the car, you, you'll, you'd never know that he's uh he's got all this going on of him being talked about.
1: Yeah. About F1. That was going to be my next yeah. question, actually. So on the track, he's consistent and he's aggressive off the track. What's he like? And like, how do you deal with something like this when you're, you're not even 18 when you've got probably people who are much older with much more money than you coming and t- like telling you how good you are. How do you, how do you deal with that? And what's he like like in the paddock and, and actually as a person?
0: He's a lovely kid. He's still the kid that you know, I remember seeing in the paddock when he was a karting driver. Um, still the same kid. Uh, he hasn't changed at all, which, which is lovely, to be honest, because um, he could have easily changed a do lot. Do you get some that do, um, some that really change? Uh I. It's hard to say because I've I only really commentate on them in in at this level. I've I've not really been in an F one paddock before, so uh, it's a hard question to answer. Um, but I, I I'd imagine so. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know naturally. I think drivers probably would. Um, That's okay. We can just talk about Kimi. So he he's the same. He yeah. he's he stayed. He's but he's he stayed he stayed the same. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh, I I remember. Uh, one thing I would say about him is. Um, when you speak to him, you feel like you're speaking to an F1 driver already. Uh, He's very very mature for his age. Uh, You feel like you're speaking to someone probably in their early to Um, mid-twenties. Can put a bad result behind him very quickly. Uh, I remember his home race is Imola, and his car broke down on him from memory. Um, He had all his family and friends there and I came past him Whilst he was with all his family and friends, and um, yeah, he still had a smile on his face and just put it past him. The next day, he got a pole, you know, and got a podium. So, but yeah, and won the race actually. So, you know, so he was able to just put it past him straight away. So, um, yeah, he, he can he can get over bad results really quickly, uh, and he, but he doesn't forget about his fans either. He had a lot of fans in the paddock. I'd never seen so many fans. For a driver at that level before, uh, and as the season went on, that that just expanded. I mean, when he won as the title at Zandvoort, he the Prima Awning was full, full of people outside, um, and uh, he he stopped to, to to speak to me on his way down with his you know his championship trophy and everything, and uh, um, and yeah, and he came out and you know signed all the all the all the autographs he could and took all the pictures he could. And, uh, yeah, he he took all the time to do all those things, and and always does. So uh, yeah, he's a he's a very nice nice character in that sense.
1: And when it was announced earlier this year, or when it was announced, when was it announced? Sorry, that he was going to be in F two.
0: Uh, it was just after he was announced in F two, literally the day after he he the season finished. Okay. So that that was
1: last year, was it? Okay, I'll just pick up on that question. So so when it was announced that he was going into F2 uh, this year, was that quite a shock?
0: I think a lot of people saw it coming, in a way. Uh, There'd been rumours that it might be happening. Uh, Those rumours came up a little bit late in the day, uh, i.e. the weekend of. Um, But I don't know. I think, in a way, given how successful he's been, some people were quite excited about it rather than shocked by it, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, I, I personally, I was very excited to see it. And I, I wasn't surprised by it either. Um, because F2, I don't know if you know, have you probably have seen released a brand new car this year. Um, so everyone, all the teams have to learn that car. All the drivers have to learn that car, including the ones that have been racing in F2 for three or four seasons. Uh, his teammate, Oli Pearman, who has done a year in F2, now has to essentially reset everything he once learnt about F2 and start again. Um, so for Kimi Antonetti, he can step in and be on a level playing field with everyone straight away. So I think Mercedes, who uh, possibly were had some influence on that decision, uh, given he's in their junior team, saw an opportunity to say, you know, Let's just accelerate this a little bit, get him in, um, because we're going to be on a level playing field, so what are we waiting for? Yeah, um, that makes sense. And, uh, and also, who knows, um, you know, with Lewis on his way out that that might have inspired things a little bit as well.
1: Sure, sure, and we'll, we'll get onto that again as well later, I think. How big is the jump that he's got to do this year?
0: Massive, massive. Um, a Formula Regional car is a very heavy car uh, it's still a quick car but it's quite a heavy car to drive that's what a lot of the, the guys say about it um, which means you're not pulling the speed through the corners nowhere near what you're going to be doing in a say a Formula 3 car um, or, or but particularly not a Formula 2 car um, so he's got to learn all of that stuff, uh, he's got to learn pit stops uh, for example, that's uh, one thing that all the F2 drivers have to learn in um, the, the sheer power of the car. He's got to learn with driving on two compounds of tires during a race as well, which is something that he would have never done um, before. He might have some experience because he do, he has done some GT racing. Um, his his dad has his own uh, sports car team and he has raced for his father in GTs. Uh, and won that race as well funnily enough i think last year um so he might have had experience on that doing two compounds um so yeah um but there's a lot to learn and, and the car is going to be a lot quicker than a Frecker car but he would have been doing preparation in the sim and uh, as much as he can uh elsewhere to to be ready for this
1: and are there any early signs of how he might get on i think there's been a bit of testing hasn't there f2 testing
0: there has been um, Prima never show their hand early and on. are the team this. that he's driving for, right? So he's he's racing for Prima, uh, and he's going to be alongside Oli Behrman, which uh, the two drivers linked high, linked the most highly to a seat in F one next year. Oli linked to well, tipped to go to Haas, um, as they have that link to Ferrari. Uh, and he te- and he's got six sessions with them. Kimi linked to either Williams or Mercedes. Uh, that's sort of I say link. That's where people are. Us, I guess ru- the rumors are. Mm. Um, but um, but Kimi was seventh overall at Abu Dhabi and then twentieth at Bahrain. I wouldn't read too much into the Bahrain result because every year Prima go there and um, they'll have. Uh, they had five sessions overall in three days the first one it just bucketed it down so that was just a null session so wasn't that i think uh, i saw I mean, some it,
1: things on twitter about like how he was like seconds yeah. faster than other people even in the rain or something
0: that was so that was a separate test uh that they were referring to that's like a private test where they were not in f2 or, or f3 car they would have been in yeah I I don't know too much about that story I I did see that story but um I
1: thought it might be sort of twitter rumor to be honest
0: yeah yeah I yeah I'd um that story I did see go out but um but I think they would have been referring to something completely separate basically there but this one um it basically chucked it down with rain on the first day and I don't think it it ever really has rained in Bahrain before. So that was a that was a very strange one. But then they had two more days of testing after that. And um, yeah, uh, Prima tend to go quick in the slower sessions and let everyone else go quick in the fast sessions. So if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So whilst everyone's doing their quick runs, they'll do their race runs. And then when everyone else is doing their race runs, they'll do their quick runs. So just, to, just as a sense to hold their... Cards close to their chest, and it's a, it's a pretty, uh, uh, it's something we've become used to seeing in recent years. So we never really know what they're, know what they're doing. Similar to how I guess uh, Mercedes used to do in recent yeah. years, when they they just used to wait until the last lap and then phew, nail it. one second quicker than everyone. and everyone would go, ah, not again not again yeah so uh yeah that's uh yeah we we, i don't think we quite know how quick kramer are just just yet okay
1: so the the first race is obviously in saudi in a couple of weeks time is that is it saudi sorry it's in it's in bahrain next week the the first race is in bahrain next week what should people be looking out for
0: uh well it's I, i think just just tune in because what i would say for the first time in since for the first time since the championship started, really, uh, a good few well, since what was that, 2018, 2017 uh, you know, we have a brand new car, um, which has been a few years since we've added new car. This process has been slightly uh, delayed because of uh, COVID. Uh, same with F three uh, as well. Um, so yeah, we have a we have a brand new car to look out for. No one knows really who's going to be who's going to be fast um you know the drivers have to learn it the teams have to learn it they've only had one shakedown test in spain i think it was at barcelona um, which was i think only two days and then they've had this bahrain test where it rained on the first day so they had two days so they've had, had probably four days to learn this car oh. That's not a lot of time. Sounds like
1: carnage, um, if I'm honest.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so really, it's going to be okay. No one's really going to know who's who's going to be fast. Um, you know, Kimmy's included in that. We don't know where he's going to fall into. But it also flip reverse of that. Mercedes fans of junior drivers as well gives him a great chance to go out there and fight for a good result straight away. So uh, tune into it because it's being tipped as the best F2 grid ever. Um since the championship started, similar to when George Russell and Lando Norris were in this championship a few years back, it's been tipped similar to that, if not better than that, yeah. just because of the sheer amount of talent. I think there's 13 or 14 F1 junior drivers in there. Wow. So you're going yeah. to see a lot of Red Bull cars, a lot of Ferrari suits, Alpine suits, Mercedes suits. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a really nice Mercedes suit as well, uh, Kimi. It looks really nice so uh yeah that's good you'll enjoy the on-board, you'll enjoy the onboards that's
1: good i think i think that excitement's definitely penetrating the kind of wider f1 universe as it were cuz i've never really watched f2 but this year i'm definitely clocking it as something that i want to watch and and get into yeah what do you think let's take the championship as a whole what do you think is a good result for kimmy this year maybe obviously there's talk of him coming out up to f1 next year but just being conservative, what's a good result? And then what would be something that's like mind blowing? He's got to go to Williams or that's so insane. Get him into Mercedes for 25.
0: I think he'll be aiming for a top five. Yeah. Uh, being realistic. Uh, Victor Martins, who was the F3 champion last year, uh, finished fifth um, in Formula 2 last year. And he won the Antoine Hubert award um, uh, with that as means he's top rookie um and he's now back again this year and i i think that's what he'll be aiming for to be top rookie top five if he gets that he'll be happy and we'll probably it, you know then it becomes a case do we see him jump up or back for another year to go for the title that's down to uh, the guys at mercedes and, and whoever else i guess um but i think that's what we'll be aiming for uh, to answer your second question uh Given the form he's shown, I just put it out there. He's unbeaten in single-seater racing so far. Unbeaten. Every championship he's ever done, he's won.
1: Okay, so top five finish would be strong, you think? I think there's a lot of expectation and a lot of hype that people might think that he's just going to come in, rock up, finish first in the championship. Th- but that, that can't be realistic, can it?
0: No, I, th- I think a top five finish would be would be realistic target. Um, he's got a lot to learn in the car. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a lot of hype around him, um, and I think he'll just want to, you know, get his feet under the table, get some good results in, um, and yeah, he's you know he's carrying the weight of a lot of expectation, and I I hope that doesn't uh, catch up with him. Um, but I think uh, top five result would be a would be a hell of an achievement to to given he didn't do F three if he can go from Formula Regional straight into F2, top five, one of the top rookies, if not top rookie, win the Antoine Hubert award with that. I mean, he'd be, that would be a superb achievement for me. And would he, would give him a chance at who knows some, some looking for somewhere in 2025 on the grid. If not, he'd be back in 2025 in F2 to, to, for a title challenge uh, and a very strong one. Um, but um but yeah if he was to 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 do any better than that, then I think we'd be looking at a really fantastic achievement, particularly if he was to get in the top three, as uh will Buxton has been saying in his uh in his commentary in um in the uh testing stuff, then I think he'd be uh, giving mercedes a very a very hard choice to make because if he was to go and get uh top three that would be uh that would be. Quite astounding, to be honest, and I think that would be a, a really hard decision to make for for Mercedes if he was to do that. Yeah,
1: obviously Toto's spoken about maybe this is our chance to do something bold, and I imagine that is sort of flirting with the idea of putting Antonelli in. But then he's also poured a bit of cold water on that since. So it's going to be really interesting yeah. to see how that how that plays out. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, uh, it's 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 one of those. I think if he if he jumps in now and he starts starts putting in results that that people didn't expect then uh what are you waiting for right that's that's how i see it i think throw him in um you know especially if, if he goes and challenges for the tight win formula 2 i think um mercedes have no choice but to uh but to just put him in there because uh, otherwise you know he there's going to be it's going to just turn into a bidding war. um uh yes you can put him at Williams for a season but who's going to fill the seat at Mercedes for a year it's uh, it, uh you know when you've got a talent that's this good look what's look what Max Verstappen's yeah, done since you know exactly. so uh I mean obviously people would think I'm getting ahead of myself there but uh let's see what he does first uh, uh he's he's done exceptionally well in the lower feeder series Formula 2 is of course a different beast so we'll see how he settles in but I I've got, I've got a lot of. Uh, from what I've seen of him in the junior stuff, I think he's going to settle down very, very quickly. So, uh, so yeah, keep your eyes on.
1: And I think the other, the other thing to mention here is obviously Toto has spoken about missing out on Max, and I think that is very much yeah. playing on their, on Mercedes's mind right now. Yeah, as they're looking at Kimi, they don't want to lose out on him again. They won't because they've no. got the opportunity. They've got the first option, but uh, it, it very much feels like it's a kind of when not an if he's going to make
0: it to f yeah yeah I, I i think so as well i think he's already he's already made it in a way with the, some of the stuff he's putting in and now it's just a case of you know when when does he when does he make that jump up to to mercedes because he's the audition process is almost almost done now isn't it And uh, the seats are starting to open up so um if he weren't to make it in 2025, it would just be a, a, a seat somewhere else for a year to, to get himself ready for it. But, um, but yeah, we've got, we've got a really special talent here. And, uh, um, I think it's going to bring success to, you know, to the team because, uh, I think we've got a, a future world champion in, in Andrea Kimi Antonelli. I really do believe that. and uh, he, he's got the, the talent, the raw talent to be a multiple world champion. Um, you know, it's something I'm definitely comfortable saying with what I've seen of him. He's, he's, he's just the skills, the raw skills he has and to, to win five championships in two years in your first two years as, as a single-seated driver. That's something I don't think that's ever been done before. So, uh, but yeah, he's he's going to go on and do some big, big things.
1: Chris, that's fantastic and thank you so much for your time. Just just quickly You're before welcome. we let you go, are there are there any other Mercedes drivers in the ranks at various stages that you think we should uh, keep an early eye on? Uh,
0: yes, so they, they are bringing stuff, they are bringing uh, drivers through uh, at the moment, uh, one of them being um, Alex Powell uh, who has uh, who's coming through the ranks now, he's just jumped up into uh, F4, he did used to run into a uh, run under a Jamaican race license, but I think he's just changed that now. Um, he was racing for the Pre McCarting team uh, in uh, the FIA Karting European Championships and the World Championships. He's just made the jump up to F4. I know he was racing out uh, in the United Arab Emirates. Um, uh, I think he did pretty well out there. It looked like he was fighting for the top 10 this year for the first time he's going to be going on a full season racing in Italian F4, which is, you know, your headline F4 championship uh, internationally. And he's going to be doing Euro 4 as well, which is a a bit of a new championship, just kind of a three-round championship. Um, So, yeah, he's the next one in in the books, I'd say. uh, Alex Powell. Uh, the one to watch. I think he runs under an American license now, but uh, but yeah, he he's kind of the next the next kid in the. I'm thinking about the marketing he,
1: uh, opportunities already there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he, he was always known. He was kind of the young the young kid from Jamaica. Um, yeah, he's uh, but he's a very special talent. I know the guys at Mercedes are very excited by what they see, uh, and uh, yeah, I I I'm very excited by what I see by him as well. I think we're going to see him. Coming through into Formula Three, FIA Formula Three in the next two or three years, um, he's he's got some real talent.
1: And talking of Formula Three, that's going to be keeping you busy this year, isn't that right? Where else can people be listening to you if uh, they've enjoyed this chat? Uh,
0: yeah, yep. Yeah. Formula Three. I'll be doing Porsche Supercup as well. If you're a sports car fan, uh, I'll also be doing some other stuff with uh, F1 uh as well i'm going to be doing some of some of the, the the main sort of races as well on on some of the alternative broadcasts so that's going to be really good fun uh as well to be back uh doing that uh doing the f1 kids stuff uh, which has been really good fun last year we're going to be back doing that this year um formula regional european championship by alpine uh, Frecker as we call it i'll be back doing that again um and uh, if you're at the 24 hour le mans this year you'll me around the circuit as well we'll be back doing that uh, as well so uh yeah if you're there i'll see you there
1: perfect chris thank you so much for your time thank you very much Unfortunately, that's all we have time for this week. I hope you found that interview as interesting as we found recording it. Kimi makes his F2 debut this weekend before the feature race. And I certainly know I'll be tuning in to see how he gets on. You can find all the session times and details online by just Google searching. A reminder, please, to subscribe and rate this episode if you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next week to debrief the 2024 Bahrain GP.